the tool we were working through this morning is a motivation checklist. And it says, all right, let's, you've got a goal. Let's, let's define a goal as small or as big as it is. But now let's talk about the barriers to you being motivated to achieve it, whatever it is. It actually doesn't matter what the goal is. It's the habits and techniques of motivation that move you towards your goal. Mm. And that makes you a more resilient and flexible person. Yep. This is Reignited, where together we will meet interesting people who have a curious message for the world. They'll tell us about their experiences so that we can all reignite our lives. Have you ever had a moment in your life where, when you look back on it, there has been a huge turning point? Well, that was something that really happened for me when I put my hand up to run a leadership program with young people. And that was in collaboration with Youth Opportunities. And I'm super excited to have Erin Fairman, who's the CEO, speak today because this is something that is very close to my heart and actually was a huge turning point for me and the trajectory of my life. So welcome, Erin. Thank you for coming and having a chat with us. Oh, it's a pleasure, Belle. An excuse to hang out with you. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. Now, I always get my guests to choose three symbols. What did you choose and why to introduce uh, yourself? My three cards today, I've, I've got a, a picture of a, a gift. Um, and I guess I often get feedback from people that I am a really nice person, but I can be a bit hard to get to know to start with. It can okay. be a bit closed off. So I guess it's like unwrapping a present. In a way, I've got a star here. And as you know, and we might talk in a while, stars are a really big deal for us at Youth Opportunities. And so for us, living a star-filled life is about positivity and optimism and accepting the messy parts as well, of course. We don't want po toxic positivity, but yeah, definitely. it's about trying to channel happiness and success in the world. Um, and it's an amazing metaphor that we will go into a little bit more. Thank yeah. you. And the last one is a picture of a road, I guess. I I've struggled over the last year with whether setting goals not setting goals is it is it lazy to not set goals <laughs> or are you actually just tuning into your intuition and your values and you're going where life takes you and so I guess the this picture of this road in particular it sort of leads off into nowhere but it is going somewhere yeah so I guess that kind of is me looking to my future and accepting that I'm on a path but I don't really know where it's going and I'm okay with that yeah so sitting in that curious space I guess of setting goals, which is part of your programs um, as well, mm. but also being led somewhere at the same time. The star, yeah. which is obviously very important to the Youth Opportunities Program and the present of unwrapping a little bit of you. Yeah. Yeah. Great summary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with that present, like how did you get to this space for you, for yourself? Like who is Erin? Who is Erin? That's a big question to start with, Belle. Yeah. She's right in there. <laughs> I'll just go straight in. I know. I guess I I have a complex background, as most of us do. Um, I was a latchkey kid from the age of eight. My mum very unexpectedly became widowed uh, when I was eight years old. I'm a twin, so I had a twin sister and a younger sister as well. So our, our dad just passed away of a heart attack in the night. And we ran, my, my parents ran the general store in a very small country town in central Queensland. Little did my mother know that it was significantly in debt until my dad passed away. So uh, most of my childhood was with my mum working her tush off to try and raise us the best way she could. And she did, she's sadly passed on now, um, and she did always do the best that she could for us, but very often it wasn't good enough. Yeah. And so I guess I grew up around particularly her but other people as well who were really vulnerable people repeating cycles of vulnerability and that got passed on to us 
um, and lifetimes of trauma, the fun to work through, which is one of the reasons why I chose not to have children myself. Yeah. <laughs> not brave enough to choose that battle. And so that has made me somehow optimistic and but also very kind and empathetic and with a really deep passion to want to do good in the world um, while I'm here. And so do you think that's why it's led you to this this place? Yeah, I think so. For quite a long time, I'd been doing some side hustle volunteering in the youth space in particular. Mm -hmm. um, as So I'm in my early 40s now. I don't have my own children. I have stepchildren and step-grandbabies. Mm -hmm. um, but I spent all of my discretionary energy looking after other people's kids. <laughs> so yeah. either babysitting or volunteering with great organisations like the Smith family and their learning clubs uh, or, or mentoring young university students through the uni. And so always wanting to find ways to take some of that discretionary energy and optimism I had and, and, and help lift other people. And so that's what found me involved with USOPS. My best friend is um, a long-term graduate, obviously, when she was 15 and worked there. And she just made me fall in love with it, talking yeah. about it. Uh, and I went to volunteer at USOPS and then got asked to come in and um, run the organisation instead of volunteering there. So I suppose that that is how I ended up at YouthOps and why I do the kind of work that I do. Yeah. So do you want to just explain to people who don't understand what Youth Opportunities does? Like they're very passionate about personal leadership um, mm. with young people. So what does that look like? Yeah, for us, we, we run personal leadership programs. So they are leadership programs, mostly for teenagers, although we now work with youngish people up to 30 or so. Uh, and for us, personal leadership is how you lead yourself. So there are some really amazing programs out there for leadership in community, um, leadership uh, Duke of Ed or Aligned to Sustainable Development Goals. They're all really amazing. And what we do is we start with going in. How do you lead yourself? And for some young people, that might be service to community uh, or uh, to their families, and, and that's how that manifests for them. But we let those young people obviously decide what success looks like. So a lot of the work that we're doing with young people in these leadership programs um, is starting actually first in building their confidence and self-belief is where we tend to start, even if they don't realise that's where they're going to start, that's where they start. Mm -hmm. and, and some young people have that already and we can work with them on the more tactical stuff like career and goal planning and how to actually move themselves forward to their version of success in future, but particularly well, I don't know. I haven't been around with youth ops that long, but I definitely in the last three years, uh, it's starting with the young person first, working on building their confidence and their resilience, their belief in themselves and their courage to do tough things. Um, and for some young people, obviously, well, for many people, reaching out and asking for help is a very tough thing. It's one of the most courageous things you can do, isn't it? It can yeah. be for some people. And I, I speak to some people who don't like get that, don't get why it's brave to just mm. say, hey, I'm struggling, can you help me? Like, oh, I dropped my keys, could you help me pick them up? Or, yeah. you know, things like that. Or even if it is their mental health or their well-being. But for many of us, we understand that that is exceptionally difficult for people. And in young people that I talk to, the thing that I hear the most, um, and we're talking mostly high school age kids, they're afraid to put their hand up in class and ask for help. So yeah. that's what looking for help looks like in the school context to say to their teachers, even when those teachers are really wonderful, go out of their way to hound kids to say, I'm here to help you at mm -hmm. lunchtime whenever you need. No question is a stupid one. They always 
answer questions well, still those kids are too afraid to put their hand up in class because of the fear of judgment and failure of their peers. Was such a vulnerable age too where you're trying to establish <laughs> things and all that. Actually, it reminds me of um, actually giving me complete tingles every time <laughs> I think about one of the stories a young person who we're working with in the program, um, and this is a long time ago now, so things have changed a lot since, was too afraid to speak mm. um, at all and you would have thousands of stories like this and I never forget that we sort of were trying to set him up for success of you know give him a question that had two answers that were both right and all that type of thing and I I remember in about week seven he voluntarily spoke <laughs> and the rest of the room just went silent and they're all looking at him and then someone stood up and clapped him and they all gave him a standing ovation oh. because the courage to speak mm. unprompted and, and to do that was life-changing, mm -hmm. you know, and that's a moment in time that hopefully has led him into other other things to have courage to do and, yeah. and all that type of thing. But I think we underestimate sometimes those things that others battle with yeah. um, and how hard it is for them, but to be nurtured through a program to mm. find your voice is yeah. amazing. And yeah. what I love about that memory of yours too is that his peers knew how tough it was for him. Oh. So from the outside, sometimes you're, okay, that kid stood on stage mm. and they read a speech. Yeah. That's fine. You go, would you do that? Yeah. You go stand up there and do that. Or do you know where that young person's come from just yeah. 10 weeks ago? Yeah. Where they wouldn't even stand in a room of 10 other kids yeah. and even say their name. Yeah. And so what I love is that it was people recognising where that person had been and where they got to and how proud they were aware of them. Yeah, and that they were all part of that with them. Mm. Yeah, which yeah. is amazing. So yeah. what are some of the things that you've seen and witnessed? So confidence is obviously something that um, we start with. Yeah. And I guess, you know, just thinking out loud now, mm. <laughs> that whole thing of it's not just technical skills, is it? It's actually about who we are as people and what we can conquer despite what else is happening in our life as well. Yeah, yeah. you're so right. So what are some of the things that stand out to you? Well, on that about the technical skills, that mm. is one of the challenges I think we have in this type of space is that um, from a policy or system point of view, there isn't a set of shared language around that. So we know what technical skills are. You go to engineering, there's engineering codes and accounting codes. But when you come into this world, you get language like soft skills, people skills, life skills, enterprise skills, and because we don't have that shared set of language, it's really hard to then encourage that in a curriculum or get it into a workplace or um, advocate for funding in that area. It can be so tricky. Um, so, yes, you're right. The visionaries, so like our founder who started YouthOps 25 years ago, knew how critical it was to people's success in life to be able to develop those apparently soft skills but actually the hardest skills <laughs> yeah. apparently yeah. they're soft there could be a great big debate on that one there yeah. could be yeah. yeah um so so yes that that does make it um tricky and it means that we have all really different ideas of what it means so for us for personal leadership we have we have a framework there's about 50 tools in it um within all of that though we're talking to young people about how they're making decisions every day to lead themselves towards success mm. so for us we sit down with young people and say that Personal leadership means that your success is your happiness. So if you can work out what makes you happy, and often that's making other people around you happy, it's not just a selfish pursuit, that that will lead to happiness. It's not a car, it's not a house, it's not a specific job or making someone else love you, that actually your sense of internal happiness over the long term 
long-term happiness, not moods day to day, is what success is. And you actually have the power to lead yourself there no matter your circumstances. Uh, and so that's the underpinning philosophy. And we have a lot of tools and processes we go through to help them have those aha moments for themselves and start to unpack, well, what is going to make me happy then, which will make me successful? And for us, that personal leadership, we we teach them the framework has four big decisions. Mm-hmm. We say every day you're making hundreds of decisions and we want you to put those decisions through a lens of the four big decisions and you'll build habits and skills which will change your attitude, your behaviour. And I often say it kind of helps you fall asleep at the wheel yeah. because you don't have to put everything through a checklist then. You're just always checking back against the four big decisions So the four big decisions are um, decide to send stars, which is that positive communication, Mm -hmm. decide to be happy, decide to goal plan and decide to choose growth. And so for us, you know, we're um, we just were running an activity in the office today before I came in and we were doing this motivation checklist thing. We said, you know, you've set yourself a goal, a long term goal, but it's really easy to not get out of bed in the morning and pursue that. So. How are you going to use the four big decisions to really pursue your goal? How are you going to goal plan to really set yourself up for success? How are you going to look for the positives when times get tough, that sense of long-term happiness? And how are you going to send stars to yourself and others, that sense of positive affirmations and communication to yourself that you can that you can get through tough times? Um, so lots of different tools and techniques. And, of course, we train hundreds and hundreds of young people a year. Mm-hmm. So out of all those tools, some of them will take one or two that'll be life-changing and they'll remember them for 20 years later we have people now yeah. tell us oh, i remember that tool from 20 years ago yeah um and some of them it's not time for yet you know some of them we, we stay engaged with them for at least the two years after the program and some will go through even tougher times ahead and they'll come back and refresh on some of the tools that at the time weren't a big deal you know like one of the um really assertive communication difficult conversation tools called IGAP. I've got a problem technique yep. for having a, a difficult conversation with someone. Um, they might not have needed that when they're going through the program, but then fast forward a year and a half and they're having major conflicts, say, with their parents for maybe the first time. Yeah. And um, coming back to that tool and actually stepping through with practice. So how do you have a really difficult conversation with someone in a way that maintains the relationship and gets goal congruence and moves you forward out of a place of conflict to a place of something better yeah and that's certainly something that we can all um use i it? use it every day yeah. Belle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. i use it I go, yeah. so often i'm used to getting my little booklet out and running through the prep checklist yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah and yeah. it is that preparation so let's run through each of the philosophies yeah the four big decisions so sending yeah. stars i used to um after we'd start a program, I would hear out in the courtyard um, the young people sort of going, you just sent me a black hole. What's going on? <laughs> so I used to love that language. So the metaphor mm. of a star and a black hole. Yeah. Um, do you want to just explain what that is? Love to. Thank you. Yes. So it's, it's a post-psych theoretical underpinning. So anyone that hangs out in the world of post-psych kind of will have worked it out by now from the hints yeah. you've given. Uh, but for us, when we talk to young people, we talk about stars being any form of positive communication that makes you or other people feel better and it creates a star-filled environment by sending and receiving lots of stars and a black hole is the opposite anything that makes you feel bad about yourself your self-image your confidence or others and um, often some there's some really obvious stuff so we brainstorm with students like uh, with young people what does that look like well you know it's obviously smiling saying hello compliments random acts of kindness are, are stars and, and what are black holes? Well, you know, 
bullying and harassment, um, aggressive behaviour, those sorts of things are obvious. But the subtle things that we sometimes miss is where sometimes the power can be. Uh, and it's things like we'll often ask young people um, to two that we use quite a lot, or that I've used quite a lot with young people, and they say, oh, my maths teacher's terrible, and they, they <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. I don't know why everybody's got against maths teachers. They are hard-working, <laughs> smart people. Um, it's just the maths. It's just, it's just the, it's not, it's the numbers, not the people. Uh, so often we'll have these kids like almost like with a chip on their shoulder about how, how hard maths is and how bad the teacher is. And we ask them, well, are you sending your teacher stars or black holes what are, you, what are you doing? Well, they're telling me off the time for talking. Right, so you talking in class while your teacher's trying to lead a class. Do you think that's sending your teacher a star or a black hole by mm-hmm. doing that? Or, but no, I didn't mean to. Well, I know you didn't mean to, but you've sent out a communication to the world that tells that person that they don't matter and what they're doing doesn't matter and that you don't respect their job and you don't respect their time and you don't respect what they're there to mm-hmm. do and you don't respect your friends because now you're distracting them. So what would it look like to send a star? Actually, just be quiet. Yeah. Or put your hand up and ask for help or doodle on the side if you're having troubles focusing. How can we refocus you? Because actually doing nothing in that situation is sending a star rather than a black hole. Yeah, and we can definitely. find you more positive ways for you to engage in that subject and to get the help that you might need rather than everybody else. And, and at home is the other big one too where they're like, oh, I want to have better relationships with my family. And we talk about, well, what does the family look like, the family dynamic? When you come home, do you throw your bag at the door and go straight to your room? and get straight on your device and don't talk to anybody, do you reckon that's a star or a black hole to whoever else is in the household? Mm. And if you want to build a relationship with your either your siblings or your parents or whoever else is there, what could a star be? What would that look like instead to say to someone that they matter to you and that you want to have a relationship with them? And often it is just saying hello when they come in the door or seeking out whoever's in the household and saying, how was your day? And, of course, everyone's got different dynamics. So for mm. each young person, they set their own challenges. Well, yeah. You tell me what's going to be a star for you that, that you can do in your family. Yeah. And often by the end of the program, they're doing things like writing letters and making cups of tea and going on walks together. And, and sometimes those young people, it is about leaving unsafe situations, though, as mm. well. You know, it's not all just happy clappy. Sometimes it's yeah. like, no, I'm in a really unsafe situation and I'm contributing to that, but also there's a limit to what I can do. So yeah. I, And I think that's a really important thing. And we talk about to- toxic positivity and mm. I can bang on about that for a very long time, <laughs> but I'll save that. <laughs> um, that sense of the reality of life is still happening in this, but it's about that quality and trying to improve situations. But ultimately there is a line where, you know, sometimes people are unsafe and need to be um, in a different situation. Yeah. 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 And also that, you know, this isn't just about young people. I think we can all learn <laughs> from these lessons. And I know when I was doing um, training to do the program and then um, I would get so much from it as well, um, having all of those concepts re- constantly reflected yeah. um, as well. So, yeah. yeah. And, of course, reminders. as an art therapist, I love metaphors <laughs> yes. and stars and black holes. It's so simple but so complex at yeah. the same time. It is, um, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that's why I've fallen in love with the youth ops framework and the work that our research and development people have done is they've taken, there's actually about 20 different psychological underpinnings to our framework and they've distilled it into the symbolism Yeah, that's really simple for people to hold on to. It means it crosses a lot of cultural barriers. So we have yeah. really culturally diverse communities of young people we work with. Uh, and we now work with people, youngish people up to 30 in workplaces, steelworks and manufacturing and young people in schools and young people in the public arena through our online programs and that really simple symbolism Mm. that's taking really complex psychological theories but distilling it to something you can remember every day. Yeah. 
and hold, and it's understandable and hold in front. You can live it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, so definitely. stars and black holes. That's yes. the first one. Yes, <laughs> I bet speed up. What's number two? Um, the second one then uh, we talk about is uh, let's go to goal planning. So decide to um, goal plan. Yeah. And again, for young people, sometimes that can be quite tactical about saying, what are your long-term goals in life? And they can be obviously career-oriented in the school sector. They tend to be fairly focused on their careers. But it can also be about putting themselves in safe family situations, breaking cycles of disadvantage, for example, are really strong goals that we see come through as a charity. We are a charity or a non-profit, so mm. we rely on the support of the community to run our programs. Young people and families don't pay for them. So that means, of course, we do work in areas where families and young people are facing more complex challenges than probably the average bear. Mm-hmm. So their goals sometimes look different. Now, one told me earlier this year he wants to be was it Jeff Bezos or whatever he is. Like, I just want to be that guy. I'm like, mm. well, okay, let's talk about the goals that you're going to you need to <laughs> yeah. set yourself on the way yeah. to get from where you are now to that um, and what research you're going to need to do. And, you know, sometimes it can be really tactical. Like they didn't realise they need a driver's licence to work in construction. Mm. Okay, how are we going to get you to that yeah. point? And is it sometimes about realising that there's another way Yes, like that actually, yeah, so right. you know, when you talk about breaking cycles and things, you know, what you see in front of you is sometimes just what you expect, Yes, where you're going to end up, but actually going, okay, there's a, there's actually another world out there that I could yeah. possibly step into. Aspire to. Yeah. So, yeah, I had a student earlier this year and it was a beautiful moment from the start of this. It's generally in schools, a 10-week program. And the start of the program, we're asking them about their goals in life. And this young person was saying she just wanted to be safe and other people writing all sorts of other things. And by the middle of the program, we'll be doing reflection. Reflection is such a critical part of mm. growth. As you know, that's why you do our therapy. Yeah. And she said, actually, I think I think I want to be a marine biologist. Like prior to that, she says, I just want to be safe. I don't know if I'll ever have a job. Maybe I'll work at a supermarket or something. Nothing wrong with working at supermarkets. No, they're cool. They are pretty cool. Um, really great careers in supermarkets. But for her, she just hadn't really thought about anything other than maybe I'll have a job one day. And by four weeks later, she's like, I reckon marine biology. And I think that means I'll have to go to uni. And I think that means I'll, and her aspirations are completely lifted. Mm. And so, um, and as you say, for her, she'll land somewhere in the middle of that. Maybe she'll be a marine biologist. Maybe she won't. But for her now, that world of options has opened right up where before she was just stuck in a safety zone and couldn't see beyond that. Yeah. Yeah, really, really beautiful transformation for those mm. young people. And you picked the um, road card earlier mm. and sort of said you've been <laughs> pondering the whole goals. Uh, Why do we set goals? What What's <laughs> sort of going on there? Because you yeah. hinted at the fact that there was a bit of intuition or something sitting there as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I know I've gone a bit full circle on this uh, whole goal planning yeah. thing. Yeah, I don't know. I used to be very goal-oriented. And I am selectively now, but I think for a lot of young people today, so why I don't set specific goals so much anymore, um, I have some smaller goals, but not kind of like life goals, mm. I guess because I like to hold things lightly and tightly, as a friend of ours, Joanna, uses yeah. that phrase. Um, I like to be able to bend with the breeze, but kind of know where my true north is. Mm. And I've done a lot of work, particularly over the last decade, on my values and they are my North Star now. And so I'm less worried about the specifics and I'm more checking, am I living my life in alignment with those values and what I know makes me happy and adds value to the world? Yeah. So it's not so tactical then about, right, I'm going to go on 
this holiday or live in this place or um, have this type of relationship with people. I don't have to get as detailed. But I think our young people, particularly again in the last three years, my trainers who've been around a while are telling me that they're having to, we've, we've just retransformed all our goal planning tools mm-hmm. actually um, because they used to be quite career oriented in line with school curriculum. And now we're finding that we have to talk to young people about the types of strengths that they bring to the table and how they'd like to use them because they keep hearing these messages that 50% of the jobs that are going to exist by the time you finish high school don't even exist yet. Mm. And then you sit them down and say, what's your career goals and what subjects are you going to choose? And I said, you just told me half the jobs that are going to exist don't even exist. Yeah. So how and am that's I confusing and mixed <laughs> what incongruent, isn't it? Yeah. And what am I aiming for? You're telling yeah. me the whole world's changing and I don't know if the borders are open next weekend yeah. and I don't know if the uni's going to be subsidised in future and all the things that would help me make those decisions are on shaky ground mm. and then you want to ask me to lock into long-term yeah. goals. But I think this is a really important point um, for business, for, you know, corporate for everyone is things change and adapt and mm. it is actually about going okay so once upon a time golf setting looked like this <laughs> but now it's actually a, it's values based strengths based um who am i as a person all mm. of those types of things and what you were talking about before is that sense of direction it's still goal orientated yeah. it's just not the specifics goal necessarily yeah. yeah yeah and the tools and techniques of goal planning so for us again you might have a goal today and maybe you achieve it or maybe you've actually discovered a deeper sense of self next year and like today even at work we had people of all ages and they're saying my goal is to lose weight and i'm screaming on the inside (laughs) oh our goal should be healthy and healthy why what is this with the scales thing still in our world yeah so maybe next year you know some of those people level up and go oh i've worked out the goal's not about the scales it's about something deeper and how i want to feel and be in the world yeah and and to be able to have the tools and techniques and habits of goal planning and redirect it to a new goal that's the power yeah so the, the tool we were working through this morning is a motivation checklist. And it says, all right, let's, you've got a goal. Let's, let's define a goal as small or as big as it is. But now let's talk about the barriers to you being motivated to achieve it, whatever it is. It actually doesn't matter what the goal is. It's the habits and techniques of motivation that move you towards your goal. Mm-hmm. And that makes you a more resilient and flexible person. Yep. So that whole sense of personal is how you're leading yourself. Your personal leadership is someone who goals goal plans and uses techniques to achieve their goals but it's not saying what your goal has to be or yeah. how long you have to have it for yeah. it stays agnostic it's in that the tool sense. and the the transference that can happen with that yeah 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 so what's the third decision? the third one uh <laughs> so we ha- decide to be happy we've talked about that one have we mm-hmm. um so decide to be happy as i said it's about long-term happiness and so we talk to young people about moods versus an enduring sense of happiness Uh, So some of that is a little about discovering their goals and their strengths. Again, um, a lot of these tools kind of build on each other. But uh, also that, again, that positive psychology underpinning of you can choose to see good in the world and in yourself or you can choose to see bad or good in the world. It doesn't make one or the other disappear. Mm. It's all still there. But what you focus on is what you will bring to your front of mind and it significantly impacts your attitude and your behaviour. So... Lately, I've been doing a lot of um, what we call looking for blue, like looking for the positives yeah. in very complex situations because my team as a chief executive need to be made to be calm and strategic mm. and grounded for them because it's yeah. a frantic sector and a frantic time of year. Yeah. And so often I take that moment to just 
myself get into that zone and I'm looking for the positives and I'm looking for opportunities in really tough situations and I'm taking those moments about where we can connect as a team and then I'll go out mm. on the battlefield of the day yeah. with that positive attitude, that the deciding to take an optimistic attitude mm. to this moment while acknowledging the hardships. Yeah. So how do you do that? Like, mm. Because I sort of think sometimes... Um, one of my bugbears is, you know, people can go to the optimism and yes. that but deny the reality of the challenge as mm -hmm. well. So what's the balance there? Yeah, I think helping people sit with both yeah. is what you do so well as well. Yeah, it's acknowledging yeah. the crap You as sit well. with both. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when you're choosing what to focus on, again, the personal leadership says, what is going to help you move forward? What is going to serve you best? And that means you could spend a lot of time talking about all the things that are wrong or we could spend a bit of time on that to learn from it to move forward, the choosing yeah. growth forward, yeah. um, the choosing goal planning forward. You only look at it as long as you need to to move yourself forward. Yeah, definitely. And I can think of an example of that. I, I do check-ins in organisations with staff and a couple of days ago I had a staff member who had made a mistake and thankfully, you know, there wasn't a crisis that happened because of that. Um, decision that they had made and we talked through what happened and actually what has happened because of that gap and that information that they didn't have mm. is now there's going to be a whole new policy and a whole new system and a way that needs to happen which is going to prevent things in the future so there was this incredible insight that yeah. happened because of that I mean yeah. we, we did work a little bit on you know the fact that they needed to resolve the fact that they didn't do something as as well as they would have liked, but in actual fact, to be able to reframe it and change it was mm -hmm. incredible. Mm -hmm. And it's actually going to help so many more people Such a um, in the long time as yeah. well, in the long term as well. So, yeah, yeah, it works in real life all the time. It does. And also, <laughs> we're talking about where you parked <laughs> yeah. um, before, so it's become <laughs> such a, it's a habit. It's a habit in your world. Um, yeah. So, Erin. Um, got to see the view of the city from the top of the car park today. Just the way you frame that up, yes. I think, is a prime example of how it is about how you choose to see the world sometimes as yeah. well. Yeah. Well, I'm running late. Yeah. Um, I've seen a great view of the city because I've ended up at the very top of the car park. Um, so, yeah, try and take the positives from that. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not to deny the fact that there is other challenges happening at the same time. Yeah. 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 So what's our fourth big decision? The fourth one is decide to grow. Yeah. And so we've touched on that a little bit in terms of choosing to do hard things, move yourself forward. As I said, for some young people, that is asking for help, putting their hand up in class, uh, making social connections. You know, as you said, that kind of teenage years is a, is a year where we start to developmentally see ourselves as separate to our family, uh, almost sometimes reject that connection to family and look for the connection in peers in the outside world. So we're discovering ourselves. But if you don't have those skills of connection, then that can be a really obviously isolating. That's why we see so much anxiety mm. and depression, mental health, uh, health distress in young people that they're going through that development, but they don't necessarily have the skills. So a lot of the choosing growth then for the young people we work with tends to be in choosing to do awkward things. And as I said, the young people set their own challenges depending on where they're at and what their goals are. So for a lot of young people, choosing growth We'll start with that self-confidence piece, if that's what we mm. um, work with the young person to say, this is where we'll start. And this is, I should say, in one-on-one -on -one interviews. So yeah, our, I was going to say the coaching component and one -on -one. is, yeah. So challenges are mostly set one-on-one, -on -one, particularly at the start of the program. 
And so you might sit me down and say, I'm going to just give you flashbacks now. You might sit me down and say, Erin, look, I think, yep, your your self-confidence, you're sending yourself a lot of black holes, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of negative self-talk. We're going to get you sending yourself some stars because we've just talked about how powerful that can be and build up that confidence so you feel brave that you can do things. So could you list off some strengths? Some kids, no, Mm -hmm. nothing good about me. We give them a little strength sheet and we say, okay, circle. How many do you reckon you could circle? Again, they're setting their own challenges. I reckon I could do five. Some say 10. Anyway, they circle all these little strengths and we go, all right, how how do you feel now after that? You know, you just send yourself starts by circling Mm. strengths. And then so even for some, that's quite challenging. That's choosing growth to do that activity one-on-one with someone they've, you know, met an hour ago or so. And the next step then usually is to say, how do you reckon you'd feel if you read this out to yourself in the mirror every day? just one or five or all of the strengths, what do you reckon that would do? And a lot of the time they say, oh, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> and we're talking, well, is there a room you can go to where no one else is there? And, and often at graduations, 10 weeks later, a lot of young people will say, oh, they made me do this thing where I had to read my strengths in the mirror and it was so awkward and stupid to start with, but it worked. <laughs> so yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It worked. And then, um, so choosing growth often, uh, I call it small acts of bravery. We scaffold them, start yeah. little once you've got that in the bag, you feel brave, confident, it paid off. You can go for the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Yeah. Some kids are already ready mm. to start at. You know what job you want. You just don't know who's a plumber. Let's get you to the point where you can ask your neighbor who's a plumber if you can go out and do some work experience with him. Like, let's get you to do that. Yeah. They'll be brave in different ways, yeah. um, but always choosing growth and, and teaching them that Choosing growth is gross. There's a, a really fabulous <laughs> video on YouTube if you just look up Backwards Bicycle. It's the okay. key one we use in the program. That yeah. When you're going through that learning phase, it's not an easy thing and that's normal and no. you push through that Yeah. Uh, because I think a lot of people try and choose growth and then, oh, this is really hard, so they stop. Yeah. But if you know that that's actually where the magic's being made and you'll get to the other side if you persevere, then it kind of makes it all right. You're like, okay, this is just the hard bit. I'm yeah. just going to keep going. And, I mean, we talk, we've talked a lot in the podcast um, and it's come up as a theme really about the fact that you don't become Michael Jordan without, <laughs> in the first you know, shot. with the yeah. first shot that yeah. you miss. Um, yeah, and it just, I did have flashbacks then of, <laughs> Um, I remember putting my hand up to facilitate and I had, I'd just finishing my counsel, counselling and um, really had no idea, but I was drawn to it. And I never forget the first day of facilitating, did some stuff up on the whiteboard about stars and black holes, turned around and there's 18 faces looking at me and just froze and just went, I don't do public speaking. <laughs> this is public speaking. Oh my God. And, you know, my co-facilitator who was training me, yeah. you know, just sort of stepped in and and challenge that but now mm. I'm like talking in front of 400 people on stage and it's like wow when was that not normal yeah <laughs> like is that it, you need to start mm. somewhere yeah yeah and you know for me doing the program and as I said earlier it was um I didn't dream where that would lead for me personally mm. at the same time and I think that's we learn from each experience that we have and what we do and how we do grow yeah um, within that I think particularly if you're a reflective person, you're good at this and this is why you do our yeah. therapy. So yeah. one of the deciding to grow toolkits that we have, some of the tools in that particular decision we work with young people on is the reflective process. Yeah. Actually spending time sitting and doing the metacognition, thinking about your thinking mm. and so reflecting important. back on what you've done. So there's, particular, again, flashbacks. You might remember about halfway through the program we have an, um, a tool called the boat analogy mm. and we talk to young people about 
that they're pretty much halfway through their program and we ask them, how hard have you been paddling in this program? Mm -hmm. What is your treasure on the other island? You know, there's two islands, there's a a little person in a boat in the middle and there's waves and lightning and laser sharks. And (laughs) so we talk to them about, you know, you're halfway. Uh, what's, What's the treasure box on the other island at the end of this? What are your goals? Reaffirm those. How hard have you been paddling so far? What challenges have you faced? What Mm -hmm. has been your lightning bolts in the way? And how have you gotten over them? And then um, that peer reflection and learning, which again, I've been to your art therapy and Mm -hmm. I love how you do that so safely, where they learn from each other. What have your challenges been? And the normalizing that comes from that is so powerful because they'll say, well, you know, I tried to build this relationship with, you know, my mom, let's say, and I've been trying to be really nice to her and send her stars but it's not working. Like I'm not getting things back and, you know, hands up who else has had that. And like, yeah, this sheepish kind of three or four arms go up. Like, yeah, me too. Yeah. And someone else will go, oh, I've been trying this thing and it's really been helping. And you'll see the quiet one just like silently making yeah. a yep, note to self, try that thing that Belle said because yeah. that sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. And I actually love, that's what I love about group work as well mm. is that that mirror that we are to each other. And I, I know on the first day, one of the first things in the program is, um, you know, you have all different young people from different, what would you call them, groups yeah. in the yard. Walks of life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all different yeah. walks of life. And to actually come back to we're all actually experiencing quite similar things mm. and not even dreaming that the other person might be experiencing that as well. And no. I think as adults it's really refreshing when we hear that we're just human as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we so often have parents and teachers stand up at our graduations and say, I don't know what you've been doing to these kids, Mm. but they have changed. And one of my favourite lines from an educator at a graduation, I still remember the school and the person, and she stood up. She was a year-level coordinator for the year 10s. And she said, we saw the light in these kids so long ago and we've just been waiting for them to see Mm. it in themselves because she is a bit optimistically minded. So she sees the potential in people and just Mm. waiting for them to see it themselves. Yeah. And when they can do that um, collectively and when we can do that with enough critical mass in a school or a cohort where it lifts the school and the culture and the cohort, even though you don't have to put all the kids through the program, yeah, is a, a, yeah, a really beautiful thing. Yeah, that ripple effect. Yeah, I never mm. forget a, a parent um, saying to me, thank you for finding my son. Oh, and yeah. I was like, actually, he found himself. Oh. Um, you know, like and yeah. it's those moments of just being heard and seen, having a voice being able to express who you were and are Mm. is so, so powerful, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And you're so right. They put the work in. Mm. We've got the tools and the techniques, but they have to choose the growth and do the things. We have very low uh, attrition rates on Mm. our programs because we make it so personalised for them and make sure that we get them across the line. Yeah. we do separate kids from the program when they're not putting in the effort. Yeah. They're often not ready for it. Um, but they do leave our program. There's no free passes to mm. graduate. Um, yeah. They've really got to put the work in. Yeah. And it's really important for us as it, you know, as with you, I'm, I'm not a crisis support line and I can't be there for these people mm. in their darkest moments. They need to know how to get through those dark moments themselves and often that means asking for help. Yep. They need to reach out and ask for help in those moments if they can't get themselves through them and they shouldn't be calling us. They need mm. to call appropriate crisis yep. lines or whatever other support they need. So we're constantly in all the process saying, you did this. You know how to do tough things. It's in you. You know how to get through this. We'll back you and we'll give you a leg up when you need a leg up. um, But you're the one that's doing the hard yards. Yeah. And that's Mm. that's pure empowerment, isn't it? Yeah. And that's 
that's what leadership really is um, as well. So um, the other part, we talked about the one-on-one coaching that mm. happens. How important do you think that is for all of us, having that space to have someone reflect things back and um, mentor you or whatever it is? Yeah, I think for me it's critical. I'm an experiential learner and a think out louder. I have a great podcast. Yeah. Uh, I process things by talking them through and it goes better when there's an experienced coach, even if it's a rookie coach, so peer coaching to do that with. Yeah. Um, not just a brick wall or someone who'll try and solve my problems, often not even a mentor, but an actual coach. I think if anybody asks me, in any industry, what skill they need to build in their businesses, I'd say coaching. Yeah. You know, just all be excellent at coaching and everything else will sort itself out, honestly. <laughs> I don't yeah. care what industry you're in. I've been in lots of them. I've been in utilities and public sector and not-for-profits and food manufacturing and banking. Uh, just build coaching capacity in your yeah. organisation and in your families. Because of that human aspect of it, the personalised thing? Well, or I think why? so. I think it's the building skills to help people do that reflection on themselves and solve their own problems. Yeah. And by solving their own problems, and it's the same when we work in social systems, we try and empower communities to solve their own problems rather than fly in and say, I've got a solution for you. Let me rescue you and yes. do it for you. <laughs> Which doesn't help anybody. No. <laughs> so the more that you can empower the person with the problem to come up with the solution, the better in all situations. Yeah. And so coaching is just a very individualized approach to that, saying you've got the answer in there somewhere. And sometimes that answer is go and ask an expert, in which case do that. Yeah. But often it might not be the answer. And building a coaching capacity, at, you know, as you have for so many years too, it means that you have the skill you can use on yourself. It might yeah. be through journaling or talking to other people or however it is that you might do that or even just in your own head on a walk. But you'll be able to coach yourself as well as be of service to other people. Uh, it also means in particularly in, say, organisations or maybe even in families, if you have a coaching skill set, you tend to save people less, which yes. creates less codependency, <laughs> which all the things that Stops the can drama creep triangle. up on you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> things that creep up and you go, how do we get in this complex relationship of, yeah. you know, codependency, whatever it might be? And you're like, wow, I didn't know we were getting here. Um, when you, yeah, you sort of slightly immunized to that when you have a coaching skill set because you aren't looking to save other people and you aren't looking to others to save you and you don't end up in these situations where you're blaming each other for things because you've taken personal leadership and asking yourself what you're doing about that. Yeah. So what do you think? And we've both graduates, fellows of the Governor's Leadership Foundation program, which mm. is, I guess, adult leadership yes. um, stuff. What do you think leadership, personal leadership is? What's the key to it? For us, it's having the skills and the habits and attitudes to lead yourself. Yeah. Yeah, um, that is it distilled in a nutshell, leading yourself. And for that, it requires a lot of the internal work. Yeah. And and then from there, you get to decide what will you now do with that power? You lead yourself. That's fine. Go off and be a Buddhist monk and yeah. just do that. Or a family or a community or your spiritual connections to religion, whatever it might be. But you take that power and then you bring it into the world the way that you think it will be best. Yeah. What are some of the challenges to doing that? Life, yeah, <laughs> everything, <laughs> the reality, our programming, our history, our yeah. trauma, yeah. <laughs> so many, yeah, <laughs> which is why it's um glorious uh, pursuit, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a destination <laughs> because that that's right, isn't it? You know, a lot of the time people end up in my rooms because things aren't going well, and it's got 
often to crisis point. Mm. But my dream is that um, we do have the personal leadership that we can lead ourselves through that. And of course, life still happens. Um, mm. We can't deny that um, there are challenges that we all face. Yeah. And some people, you know, have had that from a very young age. So mm. what do you hope for the world and what's your message for the world? I hope one day to be redundant. Yeah. <laughs> that is my main aspiration. Our vision at Youth Ops is a world where all young people can be their best. Mm. So I'd love for us to not need to exist because that's just happening in, in individuals and families and in communities. So that's my life pursuit is to build the resilience in individuals and families and communities so they don't need the outside help. That's not going to happen anytime soon. No. So in the meantime, yeah. <laughs> we all work on that. That's my my optimistic hope for the future. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you hope for the world? The realistic optimists will outweigh the the pessimistic war and hate mongers. That's my hope for the world, I suppose. Yeah. I think that's a really great place to sort of end and thank you for the work that you do and I know um you know you ooze the passion of what you thought youth opportunities is all about and I love the philosophy and and what you stand for because I think um if we can provide personal leadership in young people you know the ripple effect of that is huge and and I've personally seen the impact of that um and not only um with the young people I've worked with, but for myself personally and has led me into a different way. So thank you for highlighting all these things that we can all learn from. Well, so. thanks, Belle. I stand on the shoulder of giants such as yourself yeah. that went before <laughs> me over the last 25 years. Yeah, <laughs> no, thank it's, you. it's amazing work. And yeah, I hope that we all get personal leadership. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you would like further information or to get in touch with me, you can visit ignitewellbeing.com.au.